Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for men and women in the United States, but there's a lot you can do to protect your heart. Joining us to talk about living heart healthy is Dr. Cassandra Moore. She is a district medical group cardiologist who practices at Valleywise Health. Dr. Moore, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. So why is it important for us to live heart healthy? Excellent question. And as you've already touched on, heart disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S. for women and men. Heart healthy involves, you know, understanding your risk for heart disease, making choices and taking steps to reduce your chances of getting heart disease, including coronary artery disease, which is the most common type. The more heart healthy you are, the more you are to risk, reduce your risk of having such occurrences of heart disease or any other comorbidities that may develop in relation to heart disease. When you talk about comorbidities related to heart disease, what do you mean by that? What other things can people have that go along with having heart disease? Uh, What kind of other things do a lot of our patients suffer from? Great question. Um, A lot of our patients also have uh, high blood pressure or hypertension, high cholesterol, diabetes, or can be overweight, which are all contributing factors for risk for heart disease. And what is that, you know, as we see heart disease, how does that impact somebody's quality of life? How does that impact somebody's ability to do their day-to-day activities? Having heart disease is, interestingly, because of the development of medication, allowing patients to live a lot longer than they did, let's say, 50 years ago. But it can affect your functions, your fatigue level, and your ability to exercise and do normal functions. Though we can control that more than we used to, it can definitely have some impact in how well you can do those things compared to the past. What would you say to our heart health as a society. Are we getting better with regards to understanding this? Are we getting worse? I definitely say we're getting much better about identifying risk factors and things we need to do to intervene sooner for patients to reduce their risk. If you look at the strict numbers, unfortunately, we're not as good as we'd like to be at this point in time. As I touched on earlier, patients with heart disease are living much longer, which is wonderful news, but we still are diagnosing it more often than we'd like. So the goal really for our society is to kind of focus on this heart-healthy lifestyle as we're talking about today to really reduce those numbers long-term if we can. When you talk about risk factors, what are some of those risk factors? I know we touched a minute ago just a little bit around our cholesterol or our blood pressure as being risk factors. What are some other risk factors that we have to look out for when we start talking about living a heart-healthy lifestyle? Additional risk factors beyond those we've just touched on are age, which unfortunately we can't control or adjust as much as we wish we could, family history, the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, our weight has a strong impact, and our lifestyle as far as how active we are, what food we generally choose to eat can also have a big impact on our risk factor for heart disease. You know, one of the other things that we hear a lot about is smoking, and smoking is a, a big problem around those folks that develop heart disease and some of this problem. Is smoking one of those other risk factors? Absolutely. Smoking is the main preventable cause of death and illness, not just a contributing factor for heart disease in the U.S. So it is a 
major impact on your risk for heart disease as it can cause damage to all organs in the body. It can lead to chemicals building up and disruption of the vessels in the body. So smoking is a big impact on your risk factors for heart disease. Since we are still in the midst of dealing with COVID-19 and the COVID pandemic, do you feel like COVID has impacted society's overall heart health, certainly around our ability to not be able to exercise because gyms have been closed, we've all been quarantining? Has that had an impact overall, do you feel? I feel it has challenged us in new ways as far as our heart health. It has encouraged us to think much more creatively about how we can achieve exercise without that gym. There's been many fun videos and people online showing how to take those tubs from Home Depot, fill them up with whatever material on the house to exercise and use them as weights, using milk jugs, flour bags, anything people can to be more healthy. So I think it's forced us to be creative. Also, as far as diets and eating, I think we're eating at home more. I think we can get more tired of our usual meals. It's forcing us to be more creative. So I think it has some positive impact on forcing us to, you know, flex those creativity muscles and try and be more innovative. But you can also say, yes, the gyms have closed. That may present challenges for people as well. But definitely living in sunny Arizona puts us at an advantage where we can get outside, hit those trails and do more activity, just enjoying environment. Amen. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about how to live your healthiest life and prevent heart disease with Dr. Cassandra Moore of District Medical Group practicing at Valleywise Health. Now that we've talked about the risks, are there strategies that we can utilize to live a better heart healthy life? Absolutely. Really examining what your diet exercise like and kind of looking at your overall risk can help you examine what you can do to be a healthier individual and really reduce your heart risk overall. So we've talked about diet and diet being that huge factor in this. How can someone change their diet to make it more heart healthy? One thing I try to recommend to really help people increase the health of their diet is to have naturally occurring rainbow colors in your diet. So you really want to introduce more fruits and vegetables of lots of different color to give you all those nutrients you need. You want to have more whole grains, so more oatmeal, whole grain breads, uh, add more legumes, nuts to your diet, and really try to cut back on the processed foods, which is where a lot of the um, unhealthy food comes from. So unfortunately, a lot of the sweetened sugar drinks that people tend to enjoy, a lot of the snacks foods, they can have a little more of that unhealthy stuff that you want to try and avoid. With all of those you know, recommendations, is there a specific diet that you recommend, such as we hear a lot about the keto diet or the Mediterranean diet, vegetarian diet? Is there any one of these that's better for a heart-healthy lifestyle versus the others? In general, I don't like to recommend diets to my patients because I feel like sometimes that can feel like a fad and feel like something that you just want to do temporarily. Instead, I really like to enforce that lifestyle change. The Mediterranean diet is an excellent diet to follow if you're someone who likes to have a little more structure or recommendation. That is the closest to the American Heart Healthy Associated Diet and is ranked frequently by the U.S. World's 
in news is one of the best diets on an annual basis because it's easy to follow and enforce long term. And these diets really uh, focus like things I've already touched on, which are more fruits, vegetables, leaner meats, more whole grains. As far as a vegetarian diet, that is an excellent diet for lowering your cholesterol, but it's very difficult for some people to follow as they tend to enjoy their meats. So what I would recommend if you're interested in a plant diet is to try it out with meatless meals or a meatless Monday and see how you do by adding more fruits and vegetables and cutting out meat. The keto diet, it has been advertised as having a great impact on patients' weight loss, but unfortunately it's a very difficult diet to use long-term and is not very effective for heart health. When we think about this and we see all of the literatures around our diet, is there any you know, role for dietary supplements in that type of work in people's heart health? In general, no. If you're eating a well-balanced, well-varied diet, there isn't really a need for supplements as you should be getting all of that from your food. One thing that can happen for people if they live in the colder states and are down here for this winter is you may get vitamin D deficiencies or things your body just unfortunately can't naturally get from your environment. At that point, I'd look to your doctor to make recommendations for supplement, but it's important to remember that we're supplementing and not replacing by taking these in. They're not replacing the healthy foods that you should be taking. There has been some discussion about fish oils as people who do have heart disease. That is an area that studies are ongoing and it kind of varies by study if it is recommended, but that can be supplemented in your diet by just eating fish instead of the oils if you don't like that. You know, we talked earlier about high blood pressure and high blood pressure being part of this, but one of the key contributors of high blood pressure is really dietary in nature, and that's around salt and sodium intake. How much salt is too much, and how can we know what items that we're eating and all of this, you know, contain salt? Certainly, we know that adding table salt or salt on the table is certainly one thing, but there's a lot of hidden salt. You and I both, I know, counsel our folks along this quite a number of ways. So kind of thoughts around that. Absolutely. Uh, when you look at numbers of what your re recommendation of salt is, it can vary by uh, source you're looking at. The CDC to American Heart Association has slight variations, one being more strict than the other. And I'm sure you can guess the Heart Association is more strict. But in general, I say around two grams or less if you know you have high blood pressure. To be as strict as possible would be about 1.5 gram or 1,500 milligrams a day. And salt is a huge component, as you mentioned. There is naturally occurring salts in our foods that we get, and that's plenty for our body. The table salt that we add is really only about 10% of the, our diet. 70% of the salt we get is what's already cooked into processed foods, prepackaged foods, and restaurant foods. So unfortunately, a lot of the things that people tend to enjoy, pizza, deli meats, popcorn, salted nuts, um, prepackaged seasonings is where a lot of that salt it can be seen. Sandwiches, soups, a lot of the funner foods that people enjoy eating. Um, so making your own foods and finding low salt versions are a good way to try and cut back so you can really hit that goal. We're joined today by cardiologist Dr. Cassandra Moore answering questions about heart-healthy living on Wellness Now. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book an appointment button. We talked a little bit around exercise and exercise is a key component of living a heart healthy lifestyle. 
how much exercise and how does that make the heart stronger? Exercise is absolutely a very important component to keeping your heart healthy. The heart is a muscle, and just like all the muscles in the body, the more you exercise and use it, the stronger it can stay and healthier long term. Exercise is important because it helps keep those arteries and everything functioning as optimally as possible. It can increase your ability to do daily activities easier, to move easier, and just overall be healthier. So exercise is absolutely essential to heart disease prevention. As far as how much exercise, the goal is really to get up to about 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise. That is aerobic exercise, meaning you're getting your breath to be a little more quicker, you're getting your heart pounding, working kind of that body more. That can generally be broken down to about 30 minutes, five days a week for most people. If you're someone who enjoys vigorous activity, if you do about 75 minutes a week of that, that's also a good equivalent. In addition to aerobic activity, we also recommend anaerobic. So that's kind of more of that muscle strengthening exercise that you can balance in association with that aerobic work to really keep your heart strong, keep the muscles pumping well. And what's important to remember is you get back to exercising or want to start exercise program. Give yourself some compassion to start slowly add time as you go and give increase your frequency or intensity per week. You can't go from resting on the couch to running marathons. That's not realistic. So give yourself a good goal and work yourself up day by day, week by week to getting is to that 150 minute goal if you can. I think that's wonderful advice. Certainly going from couch to a 5k, there's a lot of things that are out there and a lot of information that's available to be able to be successful. And to your point, it's a good to start out in that graduated fashion. You're more likely to stick with it and be able to maintain this um, as we go forward from that. Are there any types of exercises that I should avoid if I'm going to live a heart healthy lifestyle? You know, in general, exercise is good, I'd say, um, whatever capacity gets you up and moving. Some stuff may be harder on the joints. So in general, look at what your medical conditions are, your limitations are. And if you have any concerns, I'd say talk to your doctor about how to get into an exercise program. What's the best way to go about it? One of the other risk factors that we discussed earlier was around smoking and certainly all of the detrimental effects that many of us know are associated with smoking, not only around the heart, but other parts of our body. One of the ways that people think may be safer to quit smoking is through vaping. Does vaping a good safe way for us to help quit smoking since we know of all the damages that it causes to us? I can say very clearly at this time, there's no evidence available that e-cigarettes help people smoking. Unfortunately, research suggests that users are more likely to continue smoking in addition to vaping. The e-cigarettes still contain that nicotine, that highly addictive substance and harmful chemical also present in traditional cigarettes and also include other potentially harmful substances. So unfortunately, the use of e-cigarettes is not considered a healthier or a better option than smoking. Both are associated with long-term health risks that are still not well understood, at least in regards to vaping. But science clearly is indicating it that vaping is not a safe or healthy alternative to smoking. What are some tips, that, just quick tips that we can offer to our listeners that may be struggling with their tobacco use and want to quit? Absolutely. There, 
is some great resources out there that I'd recommend people to look at. If you look online, there's numbers that vary by state. There are lots of supportive websites you can look to that can give you support groups. Um, It's very helpful for many to have someone else that they can relate to, to help them with their quitting. One of the best tips I can give is to have a plan. Set a quit day, let's say March 1st, and choose how you're going to quit. Are you going to quit cold turkey? Do you want to talk to your doctor about medications? Do you plan on weaning yourself off? And then again, talk to your doctor. What's the best step? And then make a plan for your quit day, what you're going to do that day. Do you have to go through your house and throw away all your cigarettes, deep clean, whatever it is you need to do to minimize that temptation to get back to it. And then the biggest thing, obviously, is just to quit on your quit day as you promise yourself to do. You know, we talked a little bit about medications and we talked, you know, medications are an important strategy for those that may already have heart disease or dealing with one of these conditions that may lead to an increased risk of heart disease. One of the questions that I know I get asked a lot is, should people take a baby aspirin every day to reduce their risk of heart disease? Excellent question. And the answer used to be, yes, everybody should take a baby aspirin every day. But that actually has become a much more complex question and answer now. Uh, In general, I'd say I would not take a baby aspirin every day without talking to your doctor first. We are finding now that aspirin, although it comes with very minimal risks, can upset the stomach and cause increased risk in bleeding in some patients. And so the benefit may not be there if you have that risk of some bleeding or upset stomach. And instead, people who have higher risk factors that are known, such as the high blood pressure, the high cholesterol, or known heart disease are people who really should be taking aspirin every day. So in short, the best answer is to talk to your doctor about that. I agree. I mean, it's there's such a, a mounting body of evidence around, you know, not only the positive effects of aspirin, but, you know, some of the certainly adverse effects of aspirin. It really becomes a, a conversation you have to have with your provider to understand who's going to get the best benefit from this without having so much risk. You know, one of the last things that we talk about and we hear and read a lot about is around stress and how the stress can affect our heart overall. Are there things that we know that we can do to help reduce our stress, which will have a positive impact on our overall heart health? Absolutely. Stress can be a major component of increasing your risk for heart disease. There's always the first of talking to a professional, like a counselor, a therapist, etc., to help you manage your stress effectively if you feel that it's having a huge impact on your life. There's also other things like relaxation techniques, getting out for a walk, a hike, doing something physically active that brings you joy, like playing basketball, soccer, whatever it may be. Other things you can do are meditation, which some people think sounds a little uh, California to consider, Um, but sometimes just sitting in a quiet room with deep breathing, listening to soothing music can really help you de-stress and kind of bring you back to uh, that relaxation state that's hard to achieve. And then connecting with loved ones. This year has really put a strain on our ability to reach out and be with family, but being creative with those Zoom calls, FaceTime, you know, even writing letters, whatever fun thing you can come up with to connect with loved ones or even pets can really help relax you and manage your stress. Today, we're talking about how to live your healthiest life and prevent heart disease with Dr. Cassandra Moore, cardiologist at Valleywise Health. Dr. Moore, one of the last things that we talk a lot about in 
living an overall healthy lifestyle and continue to learn a lot about is regarding sleep. We understand that sleep is important to our overall health, but specifically when it comes to our heart, are there things that we should be looking for in our overall sleep patterns or our sleep hygiene to have that true heart healthy lifestyle? Absolutely. Things that I would recommend is trying to get seven to nine hours a night if you can. Uh, for some people, I know that can be challenging, but definitely trying to get to that close to that seven as you can, because um, a good night of rest can really help decrease your stress, can help lower blood pressure, decrease your risk for obesity and diabetes. Sleep hygiene is a very important thing to exercise to increase that quality of your sleep so that once you're falling asleep, you're staying asleep as long as possible. So things that can help with that are trying to go to bed roughly the same time every night and trying to wake roughly the same time every morning. Additional things you can do is sleep in a cool, dark, quiet room and try to really separate yourself from technology when you're going to bed. So make sure you're dimming the screen on that cell phone, turning on that red filter to really block that blue light. Um, you can actually even find apps that will automatically lock your phone at a certain time to make sure you turn it off instead of kind of do that scrolling that we can sometimes get trapped into. And even moving your phone away from your bed for some people can help get you into that sleep mode faster. Wonderful advice. Absolutely important around this because I think truly as the body needs that time to recharge, the heart benefits just that, just like every other you know portion of the body. One of the things that we like to end these conversations with is what are three things that our listeners can do and have an impact in their lifestyle that is going to help improve them from the cardiac perspective or from their heart perspective? Absolutely. And that's kind of been everything we've chatted about this uh, discussion so far. But the big three things would be to one, exercise more, find whatever brings you joy, whatever makes you happy, whatever you'll stick with and move more. It can do nothing but decrease your stress, increase your happiness and have positive impacts on the body. The second thing would be um, to know your risks, follow up with your doctor, make sure you're aware of what your numbers are as far as cholesterol, blood pressure, and what you can do to improve it to really take ownership of your heart health. And then the third thing is to, you know, be with family, find things that distress you. The less stressed you are, the more involved in your life you can be and the more uh, distressed you can be and improve that heart health. I'm quite excited about having you on our Be Well program. As you know, we're both cardiologists, fascinated about heart disease and the treatment of heart disease. What is the what may, gives you passion about practicing cardiology um, and the treatment of heart disease? Cardiology is just an incredibly large field that encompasses so many different um, subspecialties and ways to improve heart health and well-being. What really drew me to cardiology was um, the desire to help people live their healthiest, happiest, longest life and manage any heart issues as much as we can to in continue their lifestyle as is. I did grow up in the Detroit area, so it's hard not to do this, but you know, I do compare the heart to like an engine or a pump in a car, and it just has so many fascinating aspects that all interplay together to really keep the engine running for each person. Certainly, it's one of those most exciting things that energizes me about this field and about this field and practicing medicine is, you know, we all get to 
practice different parts of this fascinating organ around, you know, like I do, the plumbing of the heart, like some of our colleagues do around the electrical part of the heart, or the overall things that, you know, really keep the functioning of that heart be able to, you know, sustain what we need to do around our activities. What has ex- what has surprised you most about your practice and about the practice of cardiology um, since, since you've been able and, and, and done this for a while? You know, what's fascinating to me is just how this field continues to change and evolve. There's such a strong emphasis on really doing the research to figure out what's best for everybody. And I like that variation and that dedication to really optimizing care as much as we can for patients to just make sure that when we give them a medication or recommendation, we have science behind it to prove why it's important what we're doing. Yeah, cardiology is a, you know, a target-rich field, as we know, um, and as you've stated, it is truly one of the leading causes of morbidity and mortality um, in the United States, and we continue to have ample opportunities with a lot of scientific evidence about what those best practices are around individuals able to live a heart-healthy life. So truly an exciting time and an exciting field of medicine. Absolutely. Dr. Cassandra Moore, District Medical Group Cardiologist at Valleywise Health, thank you for your time today. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can join us anytime on our podcast at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.